0: Hola, hola mi gente. Welcome to another w- episode of the Wine and Cheese Mid Podcast. So we actually ha- doing something different today because I have two guests. I have the founders and owners of Vinos Unidos with me. How are you guys today? Great. Great. Okay, so I have Bob are you? That-
1: <laughs> Halagi. Yes. I said,
0: and I even did it like, you know, Halagi.
1: A for effort, damn for it, sure. Damn
0: it! <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry Martinez.
2: That was easy. That's, <laughs> that's, an, easy. that's, an, easy that's an easy one. Not <laughs> Not <laughs> 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 Um,
0: And I'm really excited because we get to try your wine today. Some Vinos Unidos and... I was telling you, I've never tried. I didn't try it. So you are going to get my legit first reaction. So let me just share. We Vinos Unidos is a premium wine brand founded by a group of friends and neighbors who love wine. They share food, drinks, beliefs, and life. One of their passions is giving back and they give back by giving 10% of their profits that go towards college scholarships, which is so cool. And we'll get into all of that. However, before we get into the chisme, we always start with the wine. (laughs) And obviously, we get to talk a lot about wine in this episode. Yeah, for sure. So you sent me some wine to try. And the wine that we're actually going to try today is the 2016 Vinos Unidos Cabernet Sauvignon out of the St. Helena area, correct? Yeah,
1: yeah. That's a a great area for cabs, as you know. You know, Jerry and I will talk a little bit more about it, but we really like that that whole corridor there between. What would you say, Jerry? Between Oakville and Saint Helena, it's all good, but
2: the uh, we seem to gravitate. It's 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 all the way from Oakville to uh, Saint Helena. What is called the uh, the heart of the valley, pretty much. So our cab is actually uh, right up, you know, on the heart of the valley, which is Saint Helena. California, which is a small city of about uh, 8,000 people.
0: So what would be the difference between a cab that comes from that area versus the Russian River Valley?
2: Uh, you know, the difference, it's Because uh, completely... I feel like
0: a lot of people hear of Russian River Valley, right? They hear yeah. that all the time. So if somebody oh, were like, oh, I like stuff from the Russian River Valley, what would be something that would be different?
2: You know, Napa Valley is, you know, definitely a smaller valley than the Russian Valley, the Russian area. I mean, you're talking about 10 times bigger than than the Valley of Napa. Napa, you know, on the widest side, it's uh, it's about uh, five miles. And what's unique about the valley is that every every mile, your your terrain is changing, your climate is changing. So you know, you have the ability to uh, have all these different varietals, you know, planted in throughout the valley, mm-hmm. from south to north.
0: All right. I'm smelling it right now. I haven't tasted it yet. I've been smelling it. And I always tell people like, don't swirl it yet. Like first smell it and then swirl it and smell it. And, you, oh, and people always it. are like, oh, my gosh, it smells so different. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. I, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. But I let this decant for probably about an hour and a half.
1: OK, Maybe a little bit less
0: than about an hour and 15 minutes.
1: So a little bit on this this wine. I mean, it has some pretty solid tannins. The reason why I wanted you to can it is because it just does so much better after it's been out for a bit out of the mm-hmm. bottle. We think that it's still, it's tasting good right now. This is a cab that has some staying power on the, the shelf. What would you say, Jerry? Where do you think this will peak out, the 16? The
2: 16, because of the tannins being, you know, big, it'll probably peak out in around another seven years eight years it'll be wow yeah dang so okay you, well yeah i'm gonna
0: try it ready Salud. here's my yeah. sound effects
1: yeah Cheers. All right. <laughs>
0: oh yeah it is really it is really tannic, but i can imagine if i wouldn't have decanted it how much more it would have been oh
1: yeah,
0: yeah. oh that's good
1: yeah i mean there's big cherry on the front end that you can find that feel the tannins and a little bit of the acid what are you tasting
0: let me take another taste. Let me take. <laughs> I taste a little bit of peppery. Uh-huh. Um, and definitely, you can definitely taste the cherry, but then also taste like there's something at the end that I'm trying to pinpoint that I'm not quite sure, to be perfectly honest. There's like this, like at the very tail end of it. And there's so many flavors that I feel like I still have not tried, mm-hmm. right? Like just of. That maybe I'm not catching still, but I'm trying to figure out what is at the tail end of it that I'm really enjoying, but I'm not quite sure like what that is. Like what
1: is it more umami, more dirt, more earthy, or are you tasting some something else like uh, sharper or maybe black licorice or something like that? What
0: not black licorice? I don't like black licorice, and okay. I would probably have spit this out. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Definitely more earthy. It's at earthy at the very yeah. end.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. you get from being that you know that terrain where it's at. You know, okay, you get a lot of that earthy, you know, earthiness from the area there. Yeah, know. this Cabernet does have a small portion of mountain fruit as well.
0: Maybe it's the smokiness. Maybe that's what I'm tasting. Like at the end.
2: Yeah, it could be the barrel. You know, the uh, the, the oak in the barrel, the smoke, medium toast.
0: You know, what I smell a little bit. Just a tad bit. It almost smells like after it rains. Yes. That's what I'm smelling.
1: Yes. Oh, that, that kind of freshness or that... Freshness that, of... The of way uh, that the, and the that's one bacon. of my...
0: Yeah. That's Fresh one of my like, favorite, favorite smells. I love... You know, it's like everything's clean. Everything is...
2: Like oh, tierra mojada. That.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's what I smell, which is cool. Actually, I'm kind of glad I'm sa- doing this with you guys because, again, there's so many people that don't know especially within our community, right? That are not, you don't, we don't grow up with wine. So many of us don't grow up with wine. I did not grow up with wine. They don't know how to taste or they think, and I'm glad you asked me what I tasted instead of telling me, because I think as soon as we, somebody tells us, you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and um, me still learning, I'm like, okay, I think this is what I smell. So when I see you guys like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. My my nose and my taste buds aren't deceiving me. But I think it's the biggest thing is that everybody has different taste buds, right? Everybody no, tastes different things.
1: That's what we tell you know people that taste with us too is they're looking for the right answer, right? Mm-hmm. right? What's the right answer? <laughs> yes. There's no, there's no right answer. That's what I tell them. Your palate's is different. We may share some, but you're going to pick out stuff that I don't taste and vice versa. That's part of the, the the joy of wine, right? It's like it has so many different, you know, aromas and flavors. And it's even the same bottle. Like, taste this cab tomorrow. And I okay, guarantee yeah. you it's going to taste different.
0: I had that with one of the cabs. For, or no, it was a Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley. Uh-huh. And same thing, like we tasted it and then she's like, it's going to get better. And I waited a couple months before I tasted it again and it did taste better in a couple of months and Uh it did taste different. It was more floral, was like way more floral than fruity Mm -hmm. than, you know, and it was really, really good. But, you know, I will say this, I'm not even going to lie. I'm very, very fortunate that I have so, you know, that I've built these relationships with so many of you guys. And I'm. this is the first time I'm getting to really actually talk to you besides email. I have yet to have a bad wine from any of my Latine vintners because I always say there might be a wine that I'm not necessarily like the biggest fan of, but that's because, for example, I'm not a big, sweet wine person. So I know yep. I've had a couple of rosés that have been a little bit sweeter than I would like. Right. But I can still appreciate it and mm-hmm. I can and I won't ever sell somebody about ba- a wine as bad. Like even if it's a five dollar bottle of wine, if that's what you like, who am I to tell you you shouldn't like that? Yeah, it's that's bad. right.
1: That's right. Yeah. And I've tasted some hundred dollar bottles that I'm not too crazy about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so have
0: one it, it works day.
1: both ways. Right. And, Absolutely. you know, it's like we said, when you get into it, it's. You better start budgeting for wine <laughs> because it can be a little cost prohibitive once you start getting used to the good stuff. And then you're like, hey, I got to explore. I got to explore. I'm getting
0: so spoiled. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> lying. I'm getting so spoiled because yeah. I don't even know. Between, you know, I had another uh, one of my Latine vintners like send me a case. He's like, oh, I have new new vintages. Do you want me to send you some? And I was like, Yo okay, I thought he was going to send me a few bottles. He sent me an entire case. And I'm uh-huh. like, where am I going to put this? I have so many. And then you guys sent me some wine. I'm like, not that I'm complaining. I'm never
2: going to complain about <laughs> oh, this. No. So <laughs> welcome, welcome so, to the wine lovers here, you know. I yeah. feel like I'm
0: like really in the, I feel like I'm like really in the industry now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, and it's fun. And, and uh, people that we've met, I have this this opinion of Jerry and his brother Gonzalo, our two partners up there, is that, you know, very you'll find very down-to-earth people, people that uh, love the craft. It's really neat uh, meeting people in the industry all the time because I think it attracts a certain type of person. And um, they're, you know, they tend to be, in my experience, very down-to-earth, very honest, very hardworking. And, you know, they just tell you like it is. And, I appreciate that. I like that part of the business because, in the end, a lot of uh, people in the business, at least up in Napa, on the winemaker side and the production side, there's people working the land. There's people working with their hands. There's people trying to, to create art in a bottle. So that's kind I of a special that. thing. I love that.
0: Creating art in a bottle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to do something with that, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you and uh, let me ask you both the question and Bob, will start with you. And then Jerry, please, you know, yeah. answer me. How, where did you guys grow up? Like what part? Like, are you guys from the States? Where did you grow up? And what was your family's experience or your experience with wine growing up?
1: So I grew up in Los Angeles. You want me to be honest with you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, <love.
1: laughs> you know what my first wine experience was?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you I, what mine was.
1: I, what was yours?
0: Uh, Strawberry Hill.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Strawberry Boone's Hill. Farm. Boone's Farm and Rio Nitti. <laughs> and then,
0: believe me, there are a lot of people listening that that was their first experience with wine too. <laughs> oh my gosh!
1: Yeah. And then I tasted a BV from Napa. What's uh, a BV? Was it Bivo-
2: Bivolier. New Vineyards, which is an, a very old winery here in the Valley. Okay. But
1: yeah. So the way I, I heard it is even during Prohibition, they continue to produce wines for the, for the Catholic Church. Mm. And so they've always. Way to get it.
0: around it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they, they've been around for a long time. And somebody turned me on to a, a bottle of real wine one day. And my mind just started going off, you know, like, oh, wow, that's different. It's, um, I wasn't sure if I really loved it or not, because it was a real bottle of wine, you know, and and wine can sometimes taste a little bitter when you go away from that really sweet stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So, I tasted it, and there was something that I really liked, and it made me really curious. So, then, this was in my early 20s, and then I just started drinking wine casually, and then reading about it, wanting to know more and then comparing notes with other people. And it just started like that, just almost like a side hobby or something. That's that's my thing. Yeah,
0: that's great. No, that's awesome because that's I get it. I get the Boone's Farm. I get the (laughs) Strawberry Hill. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, I think the first time I really got drunk. You know, total Borracha, <laughs> on top of Strawberry Hill, yeah. and a quinceanera. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah?
1: In the punch or straight? Did you go straight?
0: Straight from the <laughs> bottle, baby. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's
1: hard stuff. <laughs> Jerry, you know, how
0: was your... Well, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: You know, I wanted to tell tell you something on that. Because, so I don't see Boone's Farm around. I don't see some of those wines that we talked about. yeah. But what I see around is that that brand that seems to be everywhere, Estella Stella Rosa.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: I think that's the entry wine now for a lot of people just starting to drink wine. Yeah. That seems to me to be the one. And You know what? To be honest with you, I think they're doing the, the Latino market really a service because that's the entry. And I'm starting to see family members and people that I know show up to like parties quinceaneras family parties with a bottle of Stella Rosa in their hand and they're so happy they think they're high style they're like hey brought wine check this out and I'm like all right cool that's nice hey but, you know um, what?
0: whatever gets you through the door right yeah. Whatever, you know if if you're willing to, to taste that like um let's try something else let's try something else then people are more open Jerry what was your how did you grow up and how did you even get into wine
2: well, you know, I grew up in uh, Mexico, uh, Jalisco. That's was where going... my
0: family's from, my grandpa's oh. side, from Jalisco. Oh,
2: oh wow. Paisana. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, I was, uh, you know, I grew up in Mexico till the age of uh, almost 12. That's when my parents decided to bring the whole family to the U.S. Uh, my mom was born in the U.S., so she was a U.S. citizen. And, uh, you know, we landed here in Napa Valley. We had friends that my, you know, my... Uh, My, you know, dad knew and they came together with the Seja family, which they also have a a winery here in the Valley as well.
0: Yeah, I know Delia.
2: It's actually uh, Amelia Moran. My second last name is Moran.
0: Got
2: (laughs) it. So anyway, so we, you know, we came here and uh, I did my uh, junior high and high school here. Started working in the restaurant business first, the age of uh, 15, and then at the age of 17, working at the, at the restaurant of Earth to Soleil, Rutherford. Right above, there was a, a winery above the, the restaurant called Rutherford Hill. So one day after work, you know, we hear music going on. It's, hey, let's go check it out, see what's going on over here. <laughs> so we get up there and there's a party going on. There's wine everywhere. And uh, the owner walks us uh, in and said, you know, come on in, have a drink. Uh, drink whatever you like. There's the bottles. And uh, it, it was great. It was great. So we did. We came in. You know, we, you know, that was my, my, uh, it wasn't my first time that I had tried wine, but it was my second time. And I remember it was a reverse remainder that I tried. And it was, it was such a refreshing moment for me that, you know, tasting that reverse remainder. But anyway, so my dad and, you know, worked you know, in the vineyards as well. And my mom worked in the restaurant uh, business. As growing up, we worked, we were a family of 10. So we all had to work and be <laughs> pitching at the house to, uh, you know, make uh, med a, a home. So uh, it was fun. It was a fun uh, growing up experience for us. First time that I went up there, you know, I was 17. I told myself, wow, you know, this will be a great place to work. And surely a year later, I was working at the winery, you know, in the in the visitor center or mm-hmm. doing all the stocking and, you know, and making sure they had everything. And then I worked, you know, one uh, summer, uh, there you know on the visitor center I right, worked through the winter and then the following year it opened up an opportunity to move myself into the uh, production site and I said I'd love to and then ever since I you know I started working I just developed this passion for this liquid I was like wow this is great <laughs> and uh, you know, I've been doing it for 30 years and I still get excited you know when harvest comes around because it's yeah. just an exciting time to see the fruit come into the you know, to the wineries, the facility, the fermentation happening, just everything is just so exciting. It just makes me so happy to see that happening in the Valley.
0: I can so, tell because um, you're smiling can, as you're saying. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a passion, you know, you have to have this passion for this, uh, this career to be able to, you know, make it worth, you know, I mean, Yeah. otherwise you're not going to enjoy it. So it was really Great. And then I still get that now, 30 years after, you know. And so when I met Bob, you know, and they mentioned about, you know, getting our own label going, the idea of you know donating 10% into uh, you know, scholarships to help the community.
0: Well, I want to get into that in a little bit, but I do want to find how did you guys even meet? Because it Bob's from LA. He now lives in Orange County. You guys are in Napa, like how
1: so did this check connection this out. even it, happen? It, it, was, it was just serendipitous. It was just the weirdest <laughs> uh, coincidence of yeah. things. Because I had, a, 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 well, I had have a neighbor and, and uh, he was a friend of mine. He happens to be Jerry's cousin. So we would get around drinking wine and then he would say, hey, let's go up to Napa. My cousin Jerry is up there. He'll show us around. He'll take us into the cellar, all that stuff. So we would go up. You know, we would go to these special wineries and, you know, Jerry's brother, Juan, was the uh, vineyard manager for Opus One, you know, real fancy. Mm -hmm. And we would go to other ones, really nice ones. And then at the end of the day, we would go to Jerry's and then we would go into the barrel room where he was, uh, you know, making the they they allow you to make personal wine. Right, Jer? Yeah. Just a, a couple of barrels. And then we would taste from his barrels and it was like the best stuff we'd had all day. It blew everybody away. And so we would be just floored. Right. And so I think Jerry, that's started the conversation where we were saying, Hey brother, you, you gotta do something with this wine. You know, this is really good. This needs to go to market. And then we just started flowing from there and and started having conversations about, you know, having our own label and what would it take? And, here we are four and a half years later and we're making pretty good wine. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Well, I can't wait to try the other bottles, but no, that I think that's, that is serendipitous because how how, like that's so random to be able to, you know, that you meet his cousin, that you go up there and like all of these different things happen. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese mitts. Have you heard about the hottest new arrival at Ulta Beauty? Fenty Beauty by Rihanna is now at Ulta Beauty. Learn how to achieve the now coveted Fenty face and this game-changing glow, just like Rihanna with the following three easy steps. First, start with light as air foundation for skin that looks like skin all day with Fenty's Easy Drop Blurring Skin Tint. It comes in light to medium coverage it's hydrating and gives you that soft blur finish. Second, set it off with just the right contour plus highlight with Fenty's Kilowatt Freestyle Highlighter Duo. It's cream to powder and it gives you a show-stopping shimmer. Third, protect your glow from shine anytime, place with Fenty's Invisimat Blotting Powder. It absorbs shine and diffuses the look of pores. So what are you waiting for? Shop now, Fenty Beauty by Rihanna at Ulta Beauty. When I created the directory, right? You guys are Mm -hmm. on the directory. And I had read the thing about it was friends coming together. And I was like, that's so interesting. Because I've met some that have, for example, Ondrama Cellars and Yamas Family Wines. They do a lot of stuff together. Miriam and Lola have their Mm -hmm. sparkling wine amigas, Las Amigas. Their friends that came together to create something else, but they were already doing stuff. They were already friends. They were already in the wine business. So I was just like very curious of kind of how that came about. Then Jerry, you were saying you're also giving back. You're giving 10% back 10% of your profits. Let's say 10% of your profits back to for college scholarships. How did you guys come up with that?
2: That's part of Bob, you know, has worked in the, uh, you know, education area so as a principal. And when he mentioned it, I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, I, I like that idea of giving back to the community, growing up ourselves back then, you know, there was a lot of families that were you know, will definitely will love to have had some, some kind of help like that, but it wasn't as much for the Hispanic community back then as it is nowadays, you know? So mm-hmm. I said, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's, you know, help, you know, help out the uh, community, uh, more than anything, uh, you know, we, we uh, were focusing more on the, you know, uh, Hispanic community, but that doesn't mean we cannot help the community in, in general. Right?
1: Yeah, I would say that's, uh, that was a starting point for us. When when we first started talking about doing this, I, you know, I was thinking to myself, and I think I told the group this, uh, like, yeah, this is really interesting. I'd like to do it, but maybe let's do it for a higher purpose as well, right? We can make it part of our mission statement that we're going to give back to the community. And about that time we were talking to people in Napa and they were saying like, yeah, like Jerry and his family, yeah, I got here, you know, my dad got here so many years ago and then I've been in the business and now my kids are kind of interested, but the last thing they want to do is go out into the fields and pick grapes. They want to own the company. They <laughs> they want to be that I love
0: that attitude. Yeah, heck
1: yeah. They want to go to college. They want to they want to learn. So that started us thinking that, well, maybe we offer scholarships in the area of enology or winemaking, viticulture, or grape growing, you know, but science, the science side of it. And then culinary arts, which goes with the wine, you know, right. the wine, you know. So, so that's what we've been doing. We've made relationships with, with some uh, colleges and we've given away four scholarships so far, uh, one each year. And we want to give away more. And and the whole thing is, is, you know, like we started out. So we were lucky because Jerry's been in the business for a long time. But what if you go to college and you're starting out fresh and you don't really know anybody? So what we ideally what we'd like to do, our dream is to be able to sponsor somebody and then show them how it's done.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, I did not go to school for wine. I didn't, you know, like. Actually, to be perfectly honest, and people who have listened to the podcast really know this, but up until two years ago, I just liked wine, but I never paid attention to all of these things, right? I would smell it, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. I would just con like, oh, try different wines at the grocery store or find something that I liked, you know, I would just remember, okay, I like this one or that one until I started this podcast. And I was still at the beginning just kind of pulling stuff off. And then something hit me. And for me, this was beyond sharing, obviously sharing stories and amplifying voices across communities of color is so, so important to me. Mm-hmm. But then on the wine side, I started thinking, like, it was just like one day I was like, there has to be Latino-owned wine brands. There has to be, right? So I just started looking and I found Mava. Mava. And then I talked, you know, to Guillermo and Angelica. Mm -hmm. I took a road trip. Uh,
1: Guillermo Herrera? Yeah. You know, there are, but it's just a handful compared to the numbers, you know?
0: Oh, my gosh. So here are the numbers. Because I, again, I will nerd out on this because I started really (laughs) getting into it and started learning more about wine. And again, until two years ago, I... I wouldn't have been able to smell this and tell you, oh, I smell like this earthiness or I smell yeah. like this. Re- I wouldn't have been able to say anything. There are over 11,000 wineries in the United States. As far as uh, the numbers that I've been able to come up with, because I have been digging and digging and digging. There are less than 100 Latine-owned wine brands. Mm. That's point zero one like, percent I think it's actually like point zero zero one or something like that. Yeah. But it's like. And 92% of agricultural workers come from our community.
1: Yeah, see see that, this is what I think. I think that because we've helped build the industry, we have a right to ask for a little more, a little more of the come to the table. Agree. Um, because the fact is without the Latino workers, without people picking, without people working in, in the, the wineries producing, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. So so we're finally coming to the table in a certain way, but I think it's it's earned. I don't think anything's been given. I think it's been earned. Oh, you know?
0: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look at everything that was happening during the pandemic. Who mm-hmm. are the people that were still out there? It was the agricultural workers to make sure that people still had food on their plates. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I agree. It's and it's not easy labor. It's hard labor. That, hard labor, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of Delineate, people don't want to you know, do
2: it. Being being like being up here in the valley. I mean, I done picking. I done all that. It's a hard labor there, you know. So I, what I did, I kind of directed into the production side, which is you know to me it was exciting to see how everything happens. You know, putting mm-hmm. everything together, aging it, you know, and and doing everything and bringing everything to the. To the blending table and playing with it it was just an amazing thing to see and i said wow this is great (laughs) i love this so let me
0: ask you a quick question when you were going through all that and when you went started going into the production side who was it that was like your did you have like a mentor and somebody that was like i want you know that saw something in you that really wanted to help you succeed Yes, and that
2: was my uh, supervisor at Rutherford Hill. You know, his name was Juan Moreno. And
0: another Latino.
2: He, another Latino. He he saw the spark in me. He saw how you know how motivated I was, how eager you know I was to learn. I was always asking questions and asking questions, and I probably you know got to his <laughs> to his nerves. But he loved it. He goes, Yeah, no, no, I like it. I like that you ask a lot of questions. You know, I got most of what I needed from him, and then I kind of said, "I need more." So I started taking courses at the college for viticulture and agriculture, and you know, and uh, wines of the world, lab, you know, lab analysis, uh, refrigeration, everything related to to wine. You know, I started just learning and learning and learning more. So I've been doing this for thirty years and supervising a group of uh, you know of employees, up to thirty employees, down to right now, I'm just myself with the uh, winemaker and the owner of this little place where I'm at, it's wonderful, you know, knowing, putting things together and, you know, making everything happen. is just, a you know, a, a wonderful, you know, exciting thing to do. I mean, and and that's just in me. It's, my, yeah. it's the passion that I have in me and, you know, I'm, and I like to do my things, my best ability. I give it my hundred percent and more if I can. I always done that because my, that was something that my dad always passed on to mm-hmm. us is when something is asked of you always do your hundred percent and if you can do a little bit more do it yeah it yeah. yeah you know on my life
1: i have to say you know i've seen jerry work we've worked alongside and we do a lot we wear a lot of hats so <laughs> we do our own <laughs> last time we bottled we did everything ourselves uh from start to finish we did everything in the bottling process and so we were all working together and i've, I've seen jerry he's a spectacular worker and and I think that's what our parents passed on to us my dad was like that too almost to a fault right like workaholic (laughs) but um but but it rubbed off it's it's really cool because uh you know I think he's passed now but I thank him for that I really do he came here as a dishwasher and you know and and then he was running a large uh, hotel a Hilton you know, in his later career. So he just, you know, I know your dad was like that too, Jerry, just work, yeah. work, work. Wow. Golly, let's go. Let's get it done. Yeah. You know?
0: There That's- was a, I like on Instagram or something, there was this, it was kind of like a joke, but not really. Cause my dad does the same thing. It was about how Mexican dads can never rest, right? Or Latino dads mm-hmm. can never rest. And I always joke. I'm like, yeah, even on my dad's day off, he always finds a project we never knew existed.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, because
0: they can't stay still. They always have to do something. My, even if it's in the garage, straightening out there. I'm like, you, I, my parents live in Orange County. And I'm like, I'm here once a month or maybe le- less. But yet there's always something to straighten out in the garage. There's always something like, look, where are you coming up with these projects? What's happening?
1: You know, it, it, we just wouldn't we wouldn't feel right if we didn't have all these projects going on. I, I go up to Jerry's house and he's always got something in the backyard, something in the in the house. He's always got. There's projects. Always going. <laughs> you
2: know, and that's just the way our parents, you know, taught us, you know, my dad, every every weekend. I remember getting up every Saturday morning real early. Hey guys, come on, let's get out. Let's get cleaned up the, you know, the backyard, clean up the house, get everything ready before you guys do anything else. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock came around and it's okay. You guys are free to do whatever you guys want to do now. <laughs> I mean, same with us
0: at the house, yeah. Yeah. wake up, help clean the house. And I still do that. I wake up and you know, it's a little bit in disarray. And it's driving me crazy. Yeah. Like to other people, this probably wouldn't be bad. But to me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, no, this is, I I need to do do something. I'm going crazy.
1: (laughs) You know, you didn't ask this question, Jessica, but the name Vinos Unidos or United Wines, we thought about this for a while, and it had to do with friends and family getting together. Are you tasting a little more fruit on that now?
0: I am. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like the tannin
0: is really... It's like
1: softening. It's uh, big, yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah, it big time. Yeah, I definitely taste more fruit. I'm telling you, taste it in a little while and then tomorrow and you're going to go like, oh, my gosh, is this the same wine? This is. You're, Could you,
0: you tell when I was drinking it? I, I, did. Was like, <laughs> I did. I
1: did. I saw. So Vinos Unidos, United Wines. But it's also a, a, a tribute to our parents, really. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. We're actually working on a secondary brand right now. We think we're probably going to do something like the label. Uh, You know, Jerry's been sending me pictures of his dad in the field and stuff like that. But it's important to us because they passed on a legacy and they didn't even know it. But they did. You know, they did.
0: I love that. I mean, you know, my grandpa used to work the fields here in San Diego, the citrus fields. So Mm -hmm. it was lemons, limes, oranges, avocados, grapefruits. And I'm old enough to remember. My sisters don't remember because by the time they were born, he wasn't doing that anymore. He was too old. Mm -hmm. But I remember like going out and being like, oh, can I go pick some lemons to bring home or Mm -hmm. some oranges? and Or just climb in those giant crates and pick stuff out. And these, these men are probably like, I pinche loca, like we're working our asses (laughs) off and she's in here like taking our fruit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. So, yeah, it's you know, when you start talking about these stories and our parents and stuff, it's it's pretty interesting. You know, one of the things that we're like when we're coming up with the name, we thought, you know, Vinos Unidos, it's it almost indicates Estados Unidos. Right. That was the, the promised land. Right. Let's go there. It could be better there for us. So let's go see what what's going on over there. Estados Unidos, Minos Unidos. We were like, it's it's in that same kind of thought process that we wanted to kind of make that ring with that in the dream and the whole thing. So-
0: No, that's awesome. Well, I'm looking at your, like you have several different wines. You have, you know, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Noir. You have a red blend, Rosé, because you have, and I, I do have one of your, or two of your Rosés, obviously this cab that we're drinking now, and then you have a Chardonnay. But one thing I'm looking at and one thing that I appreciate, and I guess because maybe I am spoiled, right? Some people look at, and I was actually having this conversation recently. Some people look at pricing and they're like, oh my gosh, like I wouldn't ever spend more than $20 for a bottle of wine or something. And I've had to share with them, you know, there's only 10% of the companies that produce enough wine to be distributed nationally. So that means 90% of wine labels are not large enough to be distributed nationally. So Mm -hmm. when you are going and purchasing from these small wineries, winemakers, that's where your money is going. Your money isn't going to marketing. Your money is going to that. And there's, I just feel like there's just this love that goes into all of these small producers like yourself that you just... I mean, I'm not saying there's 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 good wines at the grocery store, and I go to Trader Joe's and I'll pick mm-hmm. out wines sometimes because there's especially within the Lat, you know where where all of the Latin wineries are mostly mm-hmm. West Coast, one in Long Island, one in in the Austin area in Fredericksburg in Texas, and everything else is West Coast. So there's a limited, like type of wine that you'll be able to get, even though every single one will be different.
1: You hit it on the on the head though, because Okay, you said there's x amount of wineries and like 1% are owned by uh, by Latinos, right?
0: 0.01%.
1: 0.01, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're talking about small producers. Yeah. And you know what happens when you produce craft? Do you want to eat fast food or do you want to eat in in that small restaurant where they're paying attention, they're picking ingredients, they're curating, you know, their whole list of wines and food and, you know, there's more love. There's more attention yeah. that goes into that. So when you pick a small producer, you're buying all of that. Mm-hmm. All of that care. You taste it. Yeah. You,
0: know, you really do. And I'm not, when I say it, it's, you know, I'm not lying because you really taste the difference.
2: You do. You do. Because It's yeah. all that, you know, special attention and, you know, detail and love and everything that goes into mm-hmm. that one bottle of wine. I mean. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes, you know, for a a white wine, it takes up to, you know, eight to 12 months to be able to say, here it is. Well, I mean, look at
0: this. This is a 2016.
2: Yes. Let me give you an example. And Jerry,
1: you can come on this. We launched a Pinot Noir from Napa, from Carneros. It was sold out really fast and everybody loved it and all that stuff. But what they didn't know was how much time these guys put into that wine to cold soak it a little bit longer, to put it in these big double-sized barrels called pungents, the way that they checked on it, and, and I said, the whole process that went into it. I don't know what, what else, Jerry, you want to add to that?
2: Yeah, no, well, you know, it was uh, slow fermentation, you know, you know, you try to ferment the fruit, you know, in a period of uh, 8 to 14 days. That's when you're going to be able to extract a lot of the flavors from the skin and you know and the color from you know taking care of that to make sure you get that long fermentation and not let it happen you know in two three days because then you're going to miss out all these other fruits Mm -hmm. when that happens so you know all these wineries are small producers that's what they're doing that's what they're trying to you know accomplish that extra flavor coming out from the skin of the fruit you know when it's a red wine Uh, when you do a, a white wine you know pressing you want to throw the whole you know the whole cluster into the press and press everything together because you know the skin the the stem of the you know the uh, cluster if it's just right ripe, ripening, brown there's some flavors in there that you want but you don't want to overpress it too much because then you start getting to the you know bitter you know part of it so you have to be really careful how you do it so you know what Bob was talking you know we the stem, our, our pinot, we went directly into, a, you know, into pungents, which is our 32 132-gallon barrels. We took the head off and we fermented inside, you know, those barrels, and we kept it whole for 48 hours. After 48 hours, we took it out and, you know, brought fermentation back up, and then we started fermentation and kept the fermentation going for, you know, for uh, 10 to 14 days, and then we did a little extended, you know, extended the um, maceration at the end, which keeping the, the juice with the skin a little longer to get a little more color out of the skin mm-hmm. An extra, you know, an extra week, an extra seven days. That's why, you know, all this time went into getting this Pinot to get it the way with it. And not only you know, that we put it in, you know, in, in barrels, we kept it in the barrel for, you know, 18 months, almost two years before we bottled it. And then here, you know, here's the product.
1: All yeah. those little yeah. things that people don't see.
2: Yeah, that, they just that see can the,
1: the yeah. end
0: product. Yeah. Let me ask you a totally, like, what type of wine do you think is underrated, just generally, like it's underrated that people just don't give enough love to?
1: What for, type of wine? <laughs> I mean, for me, I would tell you, I'm not huge on white wines, but we had a Sau Blanc that we sold out of that <laughs> I really liked a lot. Cause you smell it. And I told these guys from the beginning, when I smell it, it was like, Hey, this smells like banana. And then this smells like guava and this smells like pear. And it all had all these tropical fruits coming out of it. And, but it was like a, a real, like there was a lot going on when you tasted it mm-hmm. and it wasn't just like a sweet, you know, just shoot it back. No, right. you, I mean, you know, like it filled your mouth. So for me, it would be the sauve Blanc that has, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And- what
0: do you what do you think, Jerry? Just generally. It doesn't have to be something you guys produce or not, but just generally. For me, it would we'll probably of- have to be like
2: Cab Franc. Cabernet Franc, <laughs> 100%. It's beautiful wine itself. But a I've lot never of
0: people- had 100% Cab Franc.
2: A lot of people don't really think, you know, that like you can have it 100%, you know, mm-hmm. Cabernet Franc. I mean, it's a great wine. But in general, I mean, I've you know, been in the industry for this long. I've seen trends of, you know, different wines. Like back in the 80s, I remember, you know, Chardonnay was a big thing back then, you know, everybody was making Chardonnay, Charnay. always that Cabernet being in, you know, at the back, you know, the big cab always, you know, and that big cab always have kept there, you know, you don't want to get away from the, the big Popeye, you know, that Cabernet bottle, <laughs> but you have the, you know, you have the Merlot, you know, Pinot's, Pinot's have, you know, made a big, you know, a big appearance, you know, you know, and uh. after Sideways. Exactly, yeah, yeah. See, and I think Merlot they, is one they, of those that does not,
0: yeah. Oh my gosh, now I find it really funny. Like, if I were to get a Merlot and somebody who doesn't know wine, like, look at me and be like, yeah. you don't even know Merlot just
1: <laughs> sideways
0: <laughs> did Merlot dirty, <laughs> they really That's did.
1: <laughs> they really did. Jerry, we need to make a Merlot. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're, Merlot and a, and, and a Cobb Franc. I, I, oh, I, oh, I need
0: you. to try this. So what do you guys think is an overrated wine? And you tell me what you guys think you're, what an overrated wine is, and I'll tell you what I think is an overrated wine.
1: You mean okay. just the varietal? Just the varietal. The, the varietal? I think that unless a Pinot is done right, it can be thin and not have a good mouthfeel. And they're expensive. The good Pinots are pretty expensive, but... Even from expensive areas, sometimes they make it for me, for my taste, my palate, a little bit too thin. And you look at it, and it has that light ruby red, but that's translucent. You can look through the glass, and I'm like, mm, nah, it's not, it's not big enough. It's not thick enough. So for me, it would be pinots that aren't that aren't made well.
2: Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jerry? I have to agree with Bob. You know, pinos if they're not made right, you know, you can really. That's type of Pinot, if you're not careful, the Pinot fruit, the skin itself is very delicate. So you have to be really, really careful when you're you know you're doing your fermentation and you're doing your you know your uh, punch downs, your pump you know your pumpovers to extract the flavors and the in the color of the skin. Again, if you do it right, you're going to end up with a great yeah. of Pinot Noir. What do
1: you what do you think, Jessica? Malbec. Malbec. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think yeah. people
0: think that, I don't know, I just, I tried really hard to like Malbecs. Yeah. And I've had a couple that are re- that were really good, but I've had a lot, I've had more not great Malbecs than I've had great Malbecs. Yeah. And I feel like just because people associate it with Argentina or they associate, you know what I mean? They're like, oh yes, it's great. Da, da, da. And I'm like, it's not though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, now that you mention it, foreign wines. You know what? I haven't had really great Bordeaux. I've had a couple, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. From I think French wine sometimes can can let me down because I'm used to the California, the big wines. But I
0: haven't had yeah. You know what? I actually there is a white Bordeaux that I got at Trader Joe's that's really good that I really enjoy. Oh, really? Yeah, like I haven't really gone into the you know like a rich, deep red Bordeaux. What people think of, right? Because people think Bordeaux, they think red. They're not thinking, well, it's actually the region. It's not the mm-hmm. grape. <laughs> That's where it's coming from.
1: It's the region, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And um, but I and I've never tried fortified wine. So I've never tried like a sherry. I've never tried any like where, you know, the extra alcohols so I've never tried anything like that. My boyfriend has and he loves them. He loved, like he went to Spain and they that's all they were drinking and everything.
1: What's the most expensive bottle you've ever tasted? Do you remember?
0: Ooh, you know what? I mean, I've definitely had some like over $100 bottles of wine. Uh, I just had one um Monday. I was a guest on a wine podcast. And now I forget the brand, but it was like, I don't know, $110, $120 bottle of wine. I think somebody brought, it was a couple hundred dollars. Oh, no, no, no. Well- I've had probably like a three hundred dollar bottle of wine. That's yeah. probably the most expensive that
1: I've had. And, and was it any better than some other stuff that you've tasted? Was it noticeably better? No, not that much. Huh?
0: No, I mean, not honest. I mean, I was, I was not paying for it. Thank goodness, because. But I was just thinking, I have wines at home that are better, and I'm very spoiled because most of the wine that I have here, I mean, I would say ninety percent of the wine that I have here are from Latino owned wineries, like from yeah. Latino Vintners. That's what they're from. And I'm become very, very passionate. That's why I feel like I'm like always shouting on the rooftops, try well, these wines, try these wines. We
1: are loving that. No, <laughs> okay, really? We are loving that. We gotta have more people recognize what's what's out there in Latino winemakers because there's some really, really good ones. Well, I also
0: think something else in regards to Latino veterans is so many people have come from working the fields, right? Not everybody, but there's a very significant amount of people that either they have or their family has. So I just feel like when there's a connection to the land that not a lot of other people have. Yeah. When there's a connection and appreciation for the land (laughs) and what it produces, the art that comes in the bottle is a very yes. expressive.
1: <laughs> well, it's like your baby, right? When we're bottling it and set the final stage, it just feels like you're really proud. And you must feel even more so, Jerry. Oh yeah, as the lead winemaker, you know. I
2: mean, it's it's it, you know, it's an amazing thing to see, you know, the final product being, you know, in a bottle, you know. There it is. That's your whole craft, you know that you did for you know, a year, two years, whatever, you know, long it took, you know, for you to get that wine into the bottle. Yeah. Uh, it's just amazing. It's, it's a great,
1: it, it really wine. is. And there, there's so many good wines. It's hard to differentiate yourself because there are a lot of good wines out there. So mm-hmm. when we get people noticing our wines or wines of our friends, you know, it's, it feels good to be honest with you.
2: And, and that was our thing, to, you know, create, you know, a, a high standard of quality in our, in our wine. And, and, and I think we, you know, we have a, a, you know achieved that yeah. and we want to maintain that. We want to maintain giving that same quality of, you know, product to our, you know, our customers out there. Yeah. And,
0: and the amazing thing is, and, and what I feel like with most of the wineries, you know, that I've been so honored mm-hmm. to talk to and work with and build relationships with is, when you think about all of the work that goes into the wine, everything that you guys are doing and being such small producers, the prices are very, very reasonable. Mm-hmm. Like anywhere from like 18, $19 a bottle to, you know, yeah, there are some pricey bottles, $70, $80, whatever I've not come across, but they're very, very reasonable, reasonably priced. And what you're getting tastes way more like it. Yeah. Like you, you don't think, Oh my gosh. And I, I will say this to people who are just starting out and because I've noticed this, you can find really good bottles of wine for like eight, nine, ten dollars. But if you're willing to invest a little bit more, you can taste the difference.
1: You can. You really you can. You can really taste. The you difference. know, there was a panel of winemakers that included, you know, Napa, Sonoma, other Central California. And they went around the room it was like, OK, let's settle this. Where does a where are the best fruit come from. And, you know, even the non the non Napa growers had to kind of hang their head and say, these guys over in Napa, they they've got some really good fruit. So there's the craft that goes into it for sure. But because the fruit has been so consistently good in Napa and Sonoma. So, for example, if you're going to buy grapes from Central California, You might be able to buy it at 2,000 a ton for really good grapes, 3,000 a ton of cab. If you go to Napa and you get the really good fruit, you're talking about 8,000, 10,000, as high as 14,000 a ton for the same cab grape, because it's just that much better. The market doesn't lie. The market is really honest when it comes to like, people are gonna pay top dollar for where they can get the best fruit. So when you, when you buy a Napa label, you buy a Sonoma label, that's one of the things you're buying too, is that fruit and that terroir from all that area, I mean, it's, it's good. It's, it's like top one of the top growing areas for, for grapes and wine in the world. So that's kind of what you're buying too, you know, when, yeah. you, when you pay for that higher price. Yeah. But I
0: see. I want you guys to have the opportunity to talk about, you guys have a wine club. So I want mm-hmm. you guys to have the opportunity to kind of Vinos Unidos is the, is the website and that will be in the show notes. So V I N O S U N I D O S.com. So tell people about the different levels of the um, wine club. Cause you have a, like three or four different levels, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, we made it really simple. We decided that we wanted to make it accessible. So people would actually try our wines. So our entry is seventy dollars for three bottles from Napa, Sonoma, and then we have a red, uh, a red blend from the Shenandoah Valley um, that we sometimes throw in there. But we seventy dollars for every every three months. We have uh, eight different wines, so we'll we'll mix it up. Uh, always a rosé, a white, and a red. Sometimes we'll throw in the seventy-five dollar cab. Sometimes we'll throw in the red blend, so but it's a really good value. So that's kind of our baseline, and then we just keep it simple. It's seventy dollars for the you know for the three bottle. It's one hundred and forty for the uh, for the six bottle. And for the case, it's two eighty. We call it the best wine club in California.
2: <laughs> that's
1: what we call it because if you look at like you cannot find a Napa wine club for seventy dollars for three bottles. You cannot. Yeah. They're, It doesn't exist. Does that
0: include shipping?
1: We charge a flat rate of $10 for shipping. No. Yep, that's it. That's it. Okay, let me tell
0: you guys, I because sometimes we do these virtual wine tastings, and that $10 for shipping is insane. I'm just telling you guys right now. $10 $10 for shipping is insanely low. Well, nobody we, charges $10 for shipping.
1: Well, because it's freaking Amazon messed everybody up, right? <laughs> Everybody's used to get, getting all this stuff almost free. But we, excuse me, we figured it was fair for us to share costs. So we share the cost.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, you guys have no excuse to not to not try this wine. (laughs) I have one more question, but before I ask this question, I wanna give you guys the opportunity to share anything that you feel like maybe I didn't ask. Cause you know, I told you I didn't write questions down. I was like, let's just go with it. So I wanna give you guys the opportunity to share anything that you want or anything that you feel like I didn't touch on.
1: I wanna recognize our other two partners, Jerry's brother, Gonzalo, who works really hard with us and my son, Chris. So it truly is a, a family affair. And I want to make sure that, you know, that everybody knows that there's there's other two people and they contribute a lot to the business. Yeah,
2: there's a total of four partners, you know, two up here in Northern California and two down in Southern California. Go and buy our wine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, you know, I, I have one
2: more thing that,
1: that we haven't mentioned. So actually two. The second is we've mentored six bottles in wine, Orange County uh, Wine Society competition, 2,500 wines judged by industry professionals. And all six bottles have won awards, two golds, two golds, three silvers and one bronze. And then Thomas Keller, the famous restaurant guy who, you know, remember Gavin Newsom was (laughs) busted in uh, Uh, French French laundry. Laundry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that same chef, Owns five restaurants there in Yachtville and we're in one of them. We're in that's
0: one. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah,
1: and then here, I know people know about Morton's. We're uh-huh. in the Morton's. Um, so really, some All really throughout nice-
0: California, or no,
1: just uh, the Costa Mesa one here and okay. in Orange County. We just got in there a few months ago, so they tr- nice. they always try to, and and so we're in restaurants like that. Yeah, and but our price point is not you know. You know, foo foo, so high. But anyway, we're we're starting to really get into some of those restaurants. So that's
0: awesome. Congratulations, that's a yeah, really thanks. big deal. I need a yeah. I know people are like, you should open a wine bar in San Diego. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do brick and mortar stuff. Like that's that's a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is.
2: It is. But- and
0: I w- and I would be like, you know, really protective of my, you know, you guys are, I call you guys all my vintners, my, Latin, you know, my, my Latino vintners, you guys are part you of would,
1: my- No, Jessica, you would kill it, <laughs> you would kill it. I'm telling you, nobody's done that. You would kill it. And then you would want to open a store in Los Angeles because that's another key market for, for La- Latino wines. You would kill it. I promise you, you'll kill it. <laughs> that doesn't well, exist.
0: I know it doesn't. I might have my editor edit that out so it stays between us.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, have your people contact our people. And (laughs) that's awesome.
0: So my last question, and this is something that everybody always asks in our tastings. Besides your wine, besides Vinos Unidos, what are some of your favorite wines?
2: I have to, you know, I have to go back to the places that I've been, which is Rutherford Hill. You know, their Merlot, their cabs are pretty... Pretty good cabs. Um, but being that I'm, a, you know, up here in, in, in Northern California, there's a lot of good, you know, good wines out there. Several the access old, is
0: unreal you that know, you California,
2: get. It's <laughs> a winery. The winery that I'm, at, you know, working for now right now is Deirdre Wines, a sleeping giant, you know, a giant that's been sleeping for a while. is now finally waking up. So <laughs> <laughs> great wines, you know. So you, if you're ever up here in, the, in the Northern California, I mean, we need to
0: make another trip very soon.
2: Yeah. You Could you give him a tour, Jerry? Oh yes. Yeah. All
1: right. Your sleeping giant. I would say I would say mine would be, you know, this is a shout out to one of our one of our friends up there, Basan Wines. He's a Hispanic winemaker as mm-hmm. well, Latino winemaker. Basan, Mario Basan. Yeah, Jerry. I
0: he's there. I've featured him on our Vitner Viernes. Oh, you did. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Yeah. I told you,
1: I you told you with
0: the directory. Not everybody knows who I am, but you I recognize our- everybody else's name. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mario- Pretty
0: soon. You guys are all going to be like, how do you not know Jessica? See, you're going to all know. Like how do you not know her? That's the girl. She's you going to be a topic her. of our conversation.
1: <laughs> and then we'll, and then uh, if we do this again, we'll get, or we meet in person, we'll think of more cheeseming. Yeah, there
0: you go. <laughs> it'll be easy because you're in Orange County. That's easy for me.
1: Yeah, well, I want to say thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you for having for you to talk to you to get the word out to tell our story. We we do appreciate it.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, like I said, over the last couple of years, this has become this is my passion project, right? Yeah. Not just obviously the podcast, but what it's come to stand for, amplifying voices and really being, helping to be a conduit to help people get connected with Latino winemakers. That's so important to me because, you know, I always feel like if you can't just talk about it, you got to live it and you got to spend your, you got to put your money where your mouth is. And I want to continue to support you guys. I want to continue to highlight all of you guys. I think it's, you know, when I tell people, when I first did it, when I said, did you guys know? I would ask, like, different groups on Zooms, like, oh, did you realize that there's, you know, Latino wi- wine brands? And people would be like, no. I had no clue. If they did, they knew Seha, They knew Ceja Vineyards.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe one or two other ones. That was it. They didn't really know anything. And I've had a lot of people say, <sighs> You know, if I'm going to spend my money, I want to spend it in my community. I want to support my community. And I think it's just important to highlight black winemakers as well, because there's enough for all of us, right? There's enough for all of us to be winners. And yeah. so it's just become very, very important to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we
1: appreciate know. that. That's something special. And you don't see that, you know, everywhere. So, So thank you. Thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you guys for letting me enjoy this delicious wine.
1: Take a last taste. I want okay. to see what you think if it changed at all.
0: <laughs> I mean, even the smell is different.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: it's definitely more fruity when you smell it on the nose this time. Uh huh. Oh, man. That's so nice. That's, is so... it starting to
1: smooth out? I Oh, told my gosh. You. That's like
0: supple. That's it's, the word that came to my mind. Yeah. It just, honestly, it just fills, it like coats my mouth. Uh huh. And it's so, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And isn't, is, that,
1: isn't that interesting the way yeah. that, that works? That's, that's why uh, wine is so interesting.
0: It is. And that's you know? why people, when people like eat and they're like, oh, I don't like it. And I'm like, drink it by itself and then drink it with what it should be paired with. Because people sometimes don't pair the right things and yeah. it, they don't realize it can totally change. Mm-hmm. Like I think I had um, for my W set one for my first level. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. They had us make like mushrooms. Then we had a cookie. And I of course, have like my Maria's guy. <laughs> my Maria's <cookies. laughs> and I took a bite of the mushrooms and then I had a drink of the boujolet and it was disgusting.
1: Yeah. It was yeah. so gross. Yeah, it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> but then if you get something earthy or something that, you know, is a little bit more umami, what did yeah. you end up pairing it with?
0: What was it, or maybe it wasn't the Beaujolais. Maybe it was something else. I forget what it was, but it was like oh, and then I they had you do the cookie with. I'm trying to remember what the pairings were, but then you taste and you're like, oh my gosh, it's crazy! It tastes, it's so we, crazy.
1: So we have a we have a relationship with uh, Mission College in Los Angeles with their Culinary Arts School, and they did a special dinner, and Chef Jesse paired our Chardonnay with a white chocolate cake for dessert. And it was great. It was I will also- say this
0: I'm not a big oak age Chardonnay fan because it becomes too buttery for me and too right.
1: heavy. Right too- here, too. That's yeah. not our style either. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm like, if it's a steel age, usually it's brighter, lighter, a little bit more citrusy, and then I can handle it. But yeah. And I'm not a fan of New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs because it's, they're too grapefruit forward. And I'm yeah, not yeah. a grapefruit fan.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But
0: I tell people that, like, I'm like, if you like grapefruit, you'll love it. I just don't like grapefruit and that's all I can taste.
1: Yeah. There's so much good stuff out there. There so.
0: is. Well, thank you guys so much. I oh, enjoyed this you. conversation so much. <laughs> oh, awesome. It was great. Thank you.
1: It was awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for your hospitality.
0: Absolutely. Until next time, mi gente.
2: Hasta pronto.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme Podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and cheesement on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at thewineandchisme on Instagram and at Wine and my podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and cheese please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated, and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.